0: Hello and welcome to the Wheel of Betting Weekend Preview podcast in association with Gambler. Hi, guys, hope you're well. Mark O'Hare here again from Wheel of Betting to help steer the ship towards the weekend value from the Premier League and beyond with me to discuss the odds, the lines, and the markets is my trusted value accomplice, Tom Love. How's it going, mate?
1: Yeah, very well, thank you, Mark. Um, It's been a pretty non-stop week with all the Champions League. Um, Obviously, Monday Night Football, now Europa League, and then there's going to be Friday Night Football Leeds back in action. So, yeah, it's been pretty hectic, to be honest, mate. But, um, yeah, looking forward to it, nevertheless.
0: Good stuff, yeah. It has been quite relentless. Uh, With us, as ever, is the penalty professor himself, Uh, The red card Kaiser, he's often often called as well. Uh, It's Will Dyer. How's it going? You banged your nap and your next best last weekend. Well done. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Um, Yeah, same same
2: thing, really. Just the absolute barrage of footballs had me snowed in, but um, I guess
0: that's what we're in it for, right? Exactly. Uh, It doesn't get any easier because we've got the same thing going on next week as well. Full round of EFL, full round of Champions League and Europa League as well. So no rest for the wicked. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been a busy week. Um, before we do get into the, the bets and the previews, um, I just wanted to sort of um, just have a look towards the Champions League. We've had match day one now. Um, so, Tom, I'm going to come to you first. Um, Champions League match day one. What was your biggest takeaway? Maybe a team to follow? Maybe a surprisingly poor performance goals, corners, corners, cards and corners. Uh, what was your main learning from match day
1: one? It was um, c- to kind of get on board with the outsiders, if we can, here and there. Um, there was a lot of big price teams. I actually had a double last night, uh, the Wednesday night, and the, the early games on Lokomotiv Moscow and uh, Shakhtar, which was 150 odd to one. It's very close to coming in, in the end. Um, uh, I did back and forth on the handicap as well in a double, which was nice. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of, it, it's one of them competitions where obviously you pit pitting different nationalities against each other, different leagues, and it can be quite hard to kind of scope your own value from that, but um, I thought them two teams were ex- extremely short, I thought Real Madrid were were very poor, I think they conceded about eight shots on target against Shakhtar, uh, obviously no Ramos or Benzema as well, so uh, Shakhtar went off around 15 to one in that game, if not bigger. So um, yeah, the, there's teams that you can get against. I think on the handicap, I think a team to follow. Uh, Atalanta did the business, didn't they? Over in Denmark, um, they were really strong again this year. I think that they're just going to be a nightmare for any team, um, just because of the w- the way that Gasparini sets them up. Um, so yeah, team to follow. I'm going to say Atalanta. Team to Maybe err against is Real Madrid, who were around six to one not to qualify out of that group. I actually, back that myself. Uh, couldn't have got off to a better start.
0: Yeah, the Atalanta is quite quite an interesting one because we looked at it on uh, on Tuesday. They were kind of top of our list for the Champions League in terms of what we were going to do, uh, but the massive drift really kind of put us off and had us a bit confused and bamboozled. But uh, Yeah, we we didn't get involved and obviously saw them hack up, which is quite disappointing. But uh, over to you now, Will, what was your major takeaway from from match day one? Yeah, the the main thing I I was looking
2: into goals prices on Tuesday on Pinnacle. And I noticed that just the total goal line for I think actually Wednesday, the Wednesday games was 25.5 between eight fixtures. So and I I look back as well on the previous fixtures, they're basically expecting about 3.2 goals per game in In a Champions League League group stage match, which I thought was just super high. But then, actually, if you look back a fair few seasons, it's pretty much bang on. That is exactly, there were 309 goals in the 96 matches last season, which was 3.2 a game. Um, And I'm just trying to, I I think my main takeaway is I'm going to be quite cautious on that. I, I don't really... Like it's hard to see, hard to work out whether some of these one-sided affairs are going to go crazy over like, like you'd have with a Barca or a ferenc match. That would always look like sort of six goals. But then there was an Ajax-Liverpool last night over over 2.5 goals was 1.3, which I just thought was crazy <laughs> short. And I mean, obviously it was only one goal in the end there. I, I had a nice little, probably my only good bet last night basically was... Um, was Uh, 15 to 2 for there to be under three cards each team and under three goals which sailed in but um, I just feel like I'm slightly cautious about going crazy for goals I looked through each match day of uh, the group stage so from match day one through to six and it kind of peaks in three or four and starts to drop back down again when I guess teams are a bit more sitting on maybe they just need a draw to qualify or something like that but mm. um and then also with the cards again I think it's just been one of those ones where Champions League's become synonymous with goals and cards but I feel like a lot of the value is kind of dried up or at least the prices are pretty correct last night we only had one red card in uh, sorry this week we only had one red card in 16 matches um where we're expecting about three over the last five years it's been um, average of 20 reds in those 96 group stage games so you're hoping for free every match day or match week um and we only had one yes uh, this one so it wasn't a great week for cards backers either and i'm, I'm not really i'm not going to go jumping in like i have over the last couple seasons until maybe the groups have got through to weeks two or three at least to see if that's continuing really
0: yeah, even the, the great Daniele Asato failed to give out a single card in his match uh, Olympiak exactly. against Marseille, which is almost unheard of. You've got to go back a couple of years before the last time that occurred in the club game he was involved in. But uh, good stuff, guys. Interesting listening to your ideas and your thoughts and your uh, reviews really on match day one. Uh, obviously, we've got it all to go again next week. So let's see if we can apply some of those learnings. Um, but let's move on. Uh, we're going to preview two big games starting in the Premier League. Uh, and then move on to Europe. The standout fixture in the Premier League is on Saturday evening. It's Manchester United hosting Chelsea. United around six to four to win this game. That's two point five. Chelsea around about nine to five. That's widely available. That's around two point eight. Uh Tom, what's your angle and why are you backing it?
1: It really did tear me did this game to be honest, mate. Um I kind of looked at a few angles and when you're looking at the one by two, um Neither team convinced me at all, so I'm not surprised that they're both kind of between evens and 2-1 to one to win this one. Um, I just think that both defences are very gettable, especially at the minute. I know Chelsea kept a coin sheet midweek, but that's a real rarity for them under Lampard. They've always uh, shipped decent chances, but also been good at the other end. Um, so, yeah, I, I, nothing really took my fancy... In the outrights, I thought United, and I can understand why people will take them at 6 4, but there's a bit of recency bias there. I think if you look at the two results, obviously they beat Newcastle 4 1, but there were three weight goals in that, which killed a few on the Newcastle handicap uh, bandwagon. And then they obviously went to PSG, and I thought they deserved the win in Paris, to be honest. Uh, they fired in quite a few shots, few shots on target. Uh, PSG were kind of off the boil, strangely, but it's hard to bring that into the league game. And one thing I think that they can take heart from is the fact that Solskjaer tends to set his teams up really well against the the big teams and... um, but I do think that's more so away from home, uh, where the pressure's kind of off. I think the pressure's on them now to win this game, and that's where they can falter. So Man United don't make any appeal with the prices. But then again, Chelsea, 9-5, to five, don't really do it for me either. So um, I'm kind of trying to fish for something a bit different. I've kind of head to the bet-builder market. I do think there'll be goals. Here. Um, and I do fancy a couple of cards as well, just given the um, the kind of rivalry between these, which has lasted kind of 20 odd years now. Uh, so I've actually gone into Bet365's Bet Builder, gone for over one goal, each team to have over zero cards, and each team to have over two corners. And that pays five to six, um, which is a more backable price than uh, other things. And you aren't asking for too much there, to be honest. Um, so that would probably be my main play in this game. Uh, I have to be honest; it's not something that I'm massively keen on this game from a betting perspective. But obviously, we're covering it because it is the big game of the weekend. I just I would kind of urge people to look at United's data before these two games because it's very easy to get sucked into that. Um, but actually, before before that Newcastle game. Um, they were kind of bottom free, were weren't they, on all the major metrics? I mean, XG ratio, um, expected goals from open play, stuff like that. I mean, they've had a few penalties as well and scored them. Um, I'm pretty sure if you take the penalties out of that, they, would, they will be bottom for expected goals ratio, which is really poor. Um, I still think they're yet to click going forward. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't trust them. But Chelsea's price doesn't appear either, given their defence... So that bet builder will be my main bet. But I'm going to lean into the cards market. Um, two players that stand out at the price. I mean, the lad Tunzebe uh, came in midweek and was excellent, really kept Mbappe at arm's length, which was very impressive to say. He's hardly played for about a year. Um, I expect that he'd start again here. i be interested to see if Solskjaer goes for a three again at the back. If he does, I think that he's quite a big price for a card, given Chelsea's kind of pace up front with Vernon, maybe Hudson-Odoi can come on. Um, and Havertz is tricky as well. Tuanzeb is priced up at 11-2 for a card with Bet365 and Skybet and William Hill, actually. Uh, that does look a bit big. He did get booked midweek. And I think that if he's in a three on the right-hand side... Um, it's very easy to get kind of dragged out of position when you're in a three and kind of commit fouls with you being the last line of defence. So, yeah, 11-2 to two looked a bit big to me for that. Uh, another player that did appeal was Thiago Silva, who's 6-1 to one with Bet Victor. That looks a big price for someone who doesn't mind a card. Um, I just think the pace that United have going forward with Rashford and I know Martial's out, but I expect Greenwood might come in. Um, they could cause Silva, who's, what, 35, 36 now, it could cause him a few headaches at the back, and um, I was really surprised to see him as one of the biggest prices for the card in this game, so just as a price player more than anything, I'd, I'd maybe put half a point onto Anzebe and uh, half a point on Silva, um, just as a bit more interest for a game that's kind of... Pretty tricky to call, if I'm honest, Mark. Um, but yeah, they will be my bigger price liens, but the bet builder over one goal, each team over zero cards and each team over two corners, five to six or 1.83 does appeal.
0: OK, good stuff. Uh, will, over to you. There's a big game at Old Trafford on Saturday. And, and what's your play?
2: Yeah, I'll just work through it from a bit from back to front. I feel um, defensively both teams have, had some major faults recently, and United are conceding 15.3 shots per game in the Premier League so far. Last season, that was only 10.3. Maybe, maybe it was just opposition, or it'll just level out a bit. But that feels pretty high. And, and Chelsea are having the same issue. Last season, they were just 8.5, which is one of the lowest around in the league. And now it is is up to 11.4, and they just don't really seem capable of seeing a game out, do they? Against Saints, they were three three-one up, or two 2-0 up, three-one up just unable to control the game or dictate it. Um, I don't think uh, Zuma or Christensen are uh, top four players or top four centre-backs, to be honest. Um, they will have Mendy back in goal. He was he got a clean sheet against Sevilla, and actually they were fairly solid against Sevilla, but they just didn't find any rhythm or, or domination again in that game. Um, and it's 12 away Premier League games without a clean sheet now for Lampard. Uh offensively i think yeah tom's probably right around the xg without penalties united probably aren't that high up but i've just been fairly impressed watching them in in a few games against psg as well midweek um i think van de Beek, if he gets some more game time he looks like a real slick controlled player doesn't really make any mistakes very incisive balls going forward um so he could add something to that squad i think um and Chelsea, I guess they had they got some chances here with with Werner now off the mark, Ziyech beginning to feature. There's definitely a lot of goals in, in that team, and yeah, overall over two point five at one point six one looked about right for me, eight to thirteen. Um, given if you add the two teams' expected goals for per game, you get in three point four nine so far this season. Um, so maybe I would start to look slightly at over three point five goals at six to four, but it's not something I'll um, be heavily keen on given Ollie's tactics are somewhat unpredictable as well um United won this fixture in in May or sorry I don't know if it was May or when it was but it was 4-0 last season um but then Chelsea won the FA Cup semi-final in July so uh yeah I'm struggling to call it as well on the match odds really um and then I I've gone for my uh penalty prince markets or whatever you called (laughs) me um (laughs) There's been, uh, there's been a pen in four of the last eight head-to-heads. Um, and then last season, yeah, United were the, awarded 14 pens, which was the highest in the league. 15% of all penalties went to them. And, yeah, people have been, it's been around on Twitter a bit recently. Um, that pen against PSG now puts them up to 27 pens awarded since the start of last season. Liverpool, for example, on, like, on another hand, is something like seven in the same period. Um, so it's the most in Europe's top five leagues, um, and that's even despite the fact that the Premier League would have one would have the lowest uh, penalties per game of all of those leagues. So it's quite crazy, really. And uh, the referee is Martin Atkinson. He's zero point two five pens per game, so you're getting one in four really with him. But interestingly, he's been uh, whilst he hasn't been crazy for pens, that's about average really. Uh, he's only given five in his last 20 outings. In three of those outings, he was refing United games and he gave a pen in all of them, um, which I thought was quite an interesting stat. It's just the way they play. I think they're just I don't I don't kind of get on board with obviously all this like conspiracy that it's because of uh, it being United getting awarded pens. I think it's more about the way that players like Martial and Rashford run into the box and United's midfielders picking out like
0: penetrating balls basically around the penalty area. It's they a, it's know a how tactic. to win penalties, don't they? Exactly. Individually. Yeah. You look at Fernandez uh, as well as um, Marshall, we saw in midweek. They just know how to win those penalties. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean,
2: right now, Bet Victor have a boost on Bruno Fernandez to score a penalty at 13 to 2. That Ooh. price may well move. Um, but, yeah, you're only getting 4 to 1 elsewhere on Man United scoring a penalty. And uh, Oli confirmed after the game, because, again, he missed, didn't he? last weekend and then he missed but he took the retake and scored it uh ollie confirmed that he's gonna continue to uh take penalties for them so i like that price um and that's my main play i i did briefly look at cards as well because i I agree with tom that it's just a feisty fixture um and it's averaging 5.85 cards per game since 2010 this but looking at the fouls per game that atkinson gives and that the teams are on i'm i'm ex- I, it kind of points towards about 3.5 cards which i think will go over just because of the the fixture but um i'm not confident on it it's 50 plus booking points is 2.1 or 11 to 10 at Skybet. bet but I'm, i'd be swaying towards overs but yeah my main bet will be fernandez to score a pen
0: Good stuff. Enjoy your analysis. Never knew you were on first-name terms with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but there we are. <laughs> um, um, let's. Uh, I actually found it a very difficult game to second-guess as well. I think the prices in the market is pretty efficient here. It's very difficult to find something to really hang your hat on. Um, a couple of stats I did find quite fascinating, though, that um, Chelsea's away games have featured more goals than any other Premier League team uh, since Frank Lampard took charge. And in the same period, too... No team in the Premier League or ever-present team in the Premier League Uh, in Frank Lampard's reign has conceded more away goals than Chelsea. So uh, a lot to work on there from the Blues. 18 of their 21 games under him in the Premier League away from home have featured at least three goals. 17 of those have seen both sides score as well. So hopefully it'll be quite an attractive and entertaining game with plenty of goals, plenty of biff and uh, plenty of winners for the boys. All right. We're going to move on to Europe. Uh, Tom put out a poll on Wednesday to see which of the fixtures he wanted us to cover. There really was just two standouts. uh, The Clasico, Barcelona against Real Madrid and the Rieva derby between Dortmund and Schalke. The Clasico actually won quite comfortably. So here we are. We're going to look at Spain 3pm on Saturday at the Camp Nou. Barcelona 11 to 10 favs. Real Madrid 5-2, to that's 3.5 in decimals. Um, from a personal perspective, if I could try and oppose both teams here, I probably would, because neither of them really convinced me right now. Um, I found this, again, quite a tricky game to call. I think the draw is a bit of a play, and I also think the days uh, when we can almost guarantee goals in this match uh, are long gone. Six of the last nine have seen one side fail to score. Six of the last nine have seen under two and a half land as well, and it was 0-0 at the Camp Nou last season, so uh, another draw under two and a half really wouldn't surprise me. Uh, any other thing I was going to say, and I really don't want to piss on Will's bonfire here, but cards normally do flow. Um, markets, obviously the markets know that as well. And both teams have seen two or more cards in the last 18 meetings when you exclude Spanish Super Cup games. Um, clearly, you're not going to get a decent price on that kind of punt. But uh, I think from a, an interest perspective, I'd kind of be looking towards maybe having a couple of doubles, maybe a treble here and there on players to be carded at big prices. Uh, from a Real Madrid perspective, the obvious candidates, Ramos, Marcelo, Casemiro, if they play, look at their record in the Clásico and there's cards galore from those three. Barcelona, not quite the same sort of pattern, but uh, I'm sure you can possibly put together a couple of doubles and a, and a treble or so. For, for a bit of interest on Saturday afternoon, the alternative is Fulham v Palace. So. Uh, I'd imagine all I will be on the Classico. But uh, Will, um, I'm going to come to you first. What's your angle? Hopefully there's a bit of insight from you from uh, you know, to help guide us uh, towards a decent bet on Saturday.
2: Yeah, Um little teaser, I think basically I will be looking towards those, those under markets. Like you say, we just can't really rely on these teams right now. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll start off with yeah, I just think it's a massive fall from grace for from, from both of these clubs. Both of them lost last weekend. That's the first time that they'll play an El Clasico um, off the back of both losing in the league since 2003. And Real mastered just two shots on target against Cadiz. And Etafe uh, massively frustrated Barca. And they didn't even... They gave them 71% of the ball, but they just only conceded one shot on target from from Barca. So... Yeah. Um, they Managed that game pretty easily, um, and yeah, um, just exceptional organizational ability, I guess, from uh,
0: Madrid's neighbors, uh, cross city neighbors. Uh, um, so, Barcelona, if you like, well, they just beat them up basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every 50 50, there was a uh, studs up, and
2: uh, yeah. Barcelona didn't like it. No,
0: nah.
2: no, well, I mean, they've got a lot of young players as well that they're blooding in these games, and I guess that's probably not what they Those guys, 17 year old guys like Pedri, and and Ansu Fati are really looking forward to get battered by some massive centre backs for Getafe. but yeah, um, Atleti. So they're now the only unbeaten team in La Liga, albeit only through four games. But yeah, this, La Liga is just struggling at the moment. Isn't it? They got beaten by Bayern, so it's. Um, I'm not confident about these teams in the Champions League, at least either this year. Um, I watched the highlights of both of them in their in their Champions League games, and Moran and Militao were really pretty poor against Shakhtar. Um, Jovic was quite, again, pulled off fairly early. They made a good attempt at it in the second half, but, I mean, reality was that Shakhtar actually were one-on-one with Courtois twice um, as well when they didn't score and had a couple other close attempts. So 3-2, if anything, could have been been actually a fair bit worse. Um, And, yeah, Barca just, that was pretty comfortable. But they were also... Um, in the end troubled a bit by Nguyen got through on goal a couple of times um, and then PK was dismissed there, it could have been worse um, but yeah I guess fairly easy opposition position to do that against um, yeah go into the cards like you said Mark, El Clasico has been a bit I think it's been a bit of a mixed bag recently because the line is always like over 6.5 cards in this game mm-hmm. um, and last time there were only 4 um, and yeah the La Liga are trying to um ruin my podcast every week at the moment because they don't they haven't put out the referee by like seven PM on a Thursday. So I can't
0: really they, um, confidently. Uh, La Liga haven't confirmed it, but it, apparently it's Juan Martinez Muniera. Okay. okay, cool. There's two uh two
2: Munieras so you have to make sure you know which one. I've noticed <laughs> that problem before. <laughs> but yeah, okay, it's not on the official La Liga site, but that's good to know. Thanks. Um it's been leaked, I, can, I think. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Um, so I'm not really confident on a cards market. So I mean, so I hadn't really hadn't had that info. So I didn't look at that really. Um, but I felt that five to two on Madrid maybe looked a little bit too big. So Barca are evens, but then actually you look back last season, Barca were, uh, 13 to 20 and Real Madrid were 15 to four. So they were a fair bit bigger. That game though ended nil nil. Um, and Madrid comfortably won the shot count there, 17 to 9. And I actually look back and um, Madrid have won the shot count in six of the last eight meetings. Aggregate of 104 shots to 77. They're just a far more direct team. I know we've had some changes in these teams, but the style that they're both trying to approach is still relatively similar to recent head-to-heads. Um, Madrid uh, this season so far have the most shots per game, but Barca are down at ninth. Um, we are still fairly early days, but um, whereas last season they were first and second, but Madrid actually still had most were com- uh, quite comfortably more than Barca, 14.8 per game to Barca's 13, and actually defensively Barca allow more shots as well, 9.8 per game um, to Real Madrid's 8.9. So I feel like if you can find a way back in Madrid on to have more shots on a handicap, which there's no prices out really right now, but Marathon Bet do do that market um, that might be a good way to go I wanted Skybet have priced um, Madrid to have uh, 12 plus shots as a team Um, that's 10 to 11 whereas Barca's line is 15 so that tells you sorry yeah it's 15 and that's even so that tells you that bookies are expecting more shots from Barca and I'm actually thinking it might be the opposite of that to be honest Um, but I don't really like that uh, 10 to 11 for 12 plus team shots because uh, they don't catch blocked shots with it being recorded by Opta. So I wasn't really confident on that one. Um, and instead, yeah, um, I've looked at under goals here as well. I just feel like I mean, you've long gone are the days of having Bale, Benzema, and Cristiano, and now you've got um, and then on the other side of the pitch as well, Messi, Suarez, and Neymar, and it, it's just it's just nowhere near that level anymore. And I think both teams to score like both teams to score no like you like you alluded to is a there's a big runner at 29 to 20 with bet victor um it's only it's only uh 13 to 10 elsewhere so quite a little bit bigger at bet victor right now um that's going to be my main play there's another one which i'm sure will probably do the rounds on twitter when someone comes across it um which is ramos to have a shot outside the box is 18 to one and to have two plus uh, sorry, shot on target outside the box and to have 2 plus is 500 to 1 which is mad oh, and he's man. back on free kicks but I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up getting chalked off by Skybet to be honest with you hmm. um, but yeah so I'm going for BT,
0: BTTS now Yeah I can see the merit in that um, Tom the Clasico Spanish football this season hasn't been uh, that great I think it's probably fair to say uh, so hopefully this game will be uh, all sort of live in the, the La Liga season up uh, what's your best bet?
1: Yeah, well, well you certainly hope so. Yeah, I agree with you. La Liga's really dropped off a cliff. I think Will makes some fantastic points there, a lot that I'd completely concur with. But I kind of look at this game and uh, I can remember penning a piece where we were betting a, uh, probably about two years ago now that... Um, the the head-to-heads between these two, the the BTTS strike strike rate was phenomenal. I think there was about 22 in the last 25, both teams to score. Um, but that were the glory days of the likes of Ronaldo being at Real and um, Messi, David Villa, all the Barca superstars being there. Um, yeah, it, it's a real fall from Grace as Will said. So I, I kind of like expected this game to be priced up more on the head to head. and I was hoping for quite a high goal line so we could oppose it. But um that's not really the case. Usually this goal line goes off around three three point two five, if not three point five, and now it's uh two and three quarters, so it's a bit it's a bit of a nightmare. I think because it's such a big fixture, it's so liquid in the market that there's not much value to be had in the more basic stuff. I've kind of flipped and flapped with the 1x2, and Barca are shortening up. Um, When I was looking today, they're around evens in places, and they were 6-5 to last night, so maybe that Real Madrid result in the week has caused some... Uh, fluctuations there, but Benzema should be back. Vinicius should be back, and uh, Ramos should be back here. So I'm expecting them all to start. I think that if Vinicius starts, he could be a real threat for that uh, back two of Longley and Pique, who aren't the quickest. Um, he could really kind of make his mark, and then well, he, he's going to be part of my first bet. Really, I'm going to take him anytime. He's 17 to five with 888sport. Uh, same price with UniBet as well, so they're they're pretty much the same firm. So that that's a real standout price because around two to one elsewhere. But he kind of starts as a striker or a second striker, gets quite a lot of freedom. Um, I am expecting him to start with Benzema up front. The kind of play with that narrow quartet in midfield: Casemiro, Modric, Cruz. I guess it'll be Valverde here. Um, so, yeah, he, he gets kind of freedom to do what he wants and um, obviously scored midweek, and I think that he's going to be a key player for them this season. Uh, obviously still young, but I just look at his pace and his directness. As Will mentioned, Madrid are a much more direct side than Barcelona. Um, I think that he he could cause them some problems. So I think 17-5 to 5 is a, a really big price for him to score any time here. Um, I'm just kind of looking at the the other side of this, Um, the goal scorers and Ansu Fati has really impressed me. Um, If you're just looking at his ratings on who scored, he's got the best rating out of any player for Barcelona this season, even better than Lionel Messi. So really looking like a good thing. Him, obviously, such a threat in behind. And I think that um, how rash the likes of Ramos are. And I wasn't completely convinced with Militao. I think Varane and Ramos will be the partnership here. Um, but still, I, I'm not convinced by Real Madrid's back line either here. So I kind of don't want to get against goals at the, pri- at the lines and the prices. Um, but I think there is value in the goal scorers. And Fatih is 9-4 with Betfair and Paddy Power to score any time. So in a game where it's quite difficult to find too much value just because of the high liquidity, I think the goal scorer angles could be a way in. Um, If you're just looking at the data of these two as well, I think Real Madrid are top of the shot count in the league. So despite their kind of um, more mundane tactics, I guess, under Zidane, they've been better than most in a league where it's really struggled for shots and... I'm not sure if it's to do with um, kind of the heat over there or anything. I haven't really looked too much into it, but um, no real teams are standing out in La Liga at the minute. And these two, um, especially not. I think Barcelona are 10th for the shots this season in La Liga, um, which I would have expected under Setien. But now they've got um, Ronald Koeman as manager, I thought they'd be... A bit more adventurous. Doesn't really seem that way at the minute. So um, I'm not really getting the, the shortening on Barca. I think if you're going to back anyone in the 1x2, I'd probably chance Real Madrid, to be honest. But I was really put off by the midweek. So, yeah, I'm going to leave them alone. I agree with you, Mark. It could be a draw as well um, at the prices. It's the biggest price of the free 11-4. Um, couldn't put anyone off that. But the last three three games have gone under two and a half between these two, Barca undefeated in 32 or 33 at home in La Liga, Real undefeated in eight away, so yeah maybe the draw is the value, I'm kind of uh, waffling on here a bit but I think um, <laughs> at the end of the day I'm just going to leave leave the main markets Mark, I'm just going to go to the anytime goal scorers, two youngsters who are Really eager to make the mark in La Liga and uh, make a name for themselves. There's no better fixture than our Clásico. So, Fatty nine to four, Vinicius seventeen to five. Both make plenty of appeal.
0: Yeah, good reasoning there as always. Um, good stuff. So that's the Clásico. We're going to move on. Um, almost time to get the naps, the next bests, and the long shots. But first, it's the competition. No winners last weekend. Nobody landed their long shots. Uh, or at least nobody we saw in our DMs anyway. So we're rolling on the prize this week. It's now a forty pound free bet, a rollover. Same rules apply. You must enter via DM to either Tom, myself, or WLB on Twitter, and you must include the code word this week. The code word is Van Dyke. Uh, I don't really care how you spell it. Just make sure it's included in your entry uh, alongside your biggest priced bet, and the winner will win the forty pounds free bet. That's right. The code word is Van Dyke. So. Biggest price winner lands the prize. Get it in for a game uh, anytime between Friday and Monday night, please. Um, right. Business time. Naps, next best, long shots. We're going to go in reverse order. So, Will, I'll come to you. Your long shot, seven to two or larger, please. Yeah.
2: All right. You uh, also alluded to me not being on first term names with, or, or me being on first term names with Ollie, but I'm going to head to <laughs> Norway again, um, my second Good. home um, for the long shot. Um so Mjöndalen um, uh, playing away at Bodo Glimt, um, and yeah, I fancy fancy to get something here, um, and I'm going to do it via Bet Builder with uh, over 0.5 Mjöndalen goals and double chance. That's seven to two at Bet365. I was tempted by over 1.5 Mjöndalen goals, um, which boosts it to thirteen to two, but I'll I'll be more conservative and go with the seven to two. So we're just sneaking over the long shot line again um glimpse of uh, they lost Jens Petter to AC Milan uh, he was he's been a star player for them for the bulk of this season that's got them into the position they are in um and yeah they were unbeaten until last weekend when they lost 4-2 to Molde. Uh obviously Molder are one of the leading lights as well in in uh, Norway and have been for years but uh, prior to that game as well they only just edged past uh, Sandefjord 2-1 and that Sandefjord team um Basically, my, my girlfriend is from the area of Sanderfjord. Uh, she's from Oslo. Um, so I've actually seen them play a bit before, and I know a little bit about their squad, and it's not it's not a st- strong team at all. And edging past them 2-1, uh, only winning the shot count by one, was, was not... It's, it's pointed at, basically, a little bit of a Bodo decline um, anyway. And they've also... Um, star player in, of the Elite series in this season is Nagel and he missed last weekend's game and I'm not sure if he's going to feature again this weekend um, they've tried to pick up a couple new players, brought Vettles in from Starbeck um, he's a good centre midfielder but he was also not able to play with an injury as well last weekend um, yeah so it's, it's tough times actually, it glimped um, they didn't make it through into Europe in the end as well, um, I'm not suggesting that their title's at risk because they're they're 16 points clear with with nine games to go. Um, so I, I don't think that's... Yeah, I think they are probably be all right with that. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but Mjöndalen are fighting for their lives there. In Norway, you have uh, two automatically relegated teams and then one that plays that playoff similar to Scotland or some of the other leagues like Holland and Germany. Um, so it's a fight, basically, for that ple- relegation playoff place between them and Sandefjord. Uh, sorry, between them and start. Uh, Sandefjord have a four-point cushion over over those bottom three. So, Mjoldalen, uh need the result here. And they actually got a win last weekend against Bran, who have not had a great season, but um, are still a, a pretty big team, a tough team. Um, they are also, in that game, they were without their top scorer, Shoyibu, um who's only got five for them this season anyway. But um, it didn't seem to matter. They changed adjusted to that um and it worked out quite well with a two-nil victory against a, a good team there and they're they're a tough team myon and they don't they basically won't make it easy for burda they won't go gung-ho a lot of norwegian football is a bit like watching the mls where it's just manic chaos constantly but myon they don't play like that so and that high tempo is what Birdo like um so i feel like there's a, a probably a big chance here for um for Glimp to, well, Glimp not to get anything. So and, uh double chance and over 0.5 goals at seven to two
0: is my long shot. Lovely stuff. Loving the Norwegian pronunciation of the football
1: teams as well. Good work,
0: uh, Tom. Over to you for your long shot, please.
1: Well, you said you wanted something bigger than seven to two, man. Yeah. How about so you?
0: Before we get in, you you've kind of take you teased me on WhatsApp with a, a sort of forty to one shot. Am I right? <laughs>
1: Well, add a three to that, forty-three to one. This forty-three to one double. Um, I think we'll be set, set up for the season if this does win. But I think it's got a much bigger chance than the odds do suggest, and I'll tell you why. The bet is coming in the Wolves versus Newcastle game. Um, obviously, it's not one that really stands out off the page on the Premier League coupon, but it does for me from a card perspective. And kind of a lot of people look at uh, players, how often they foul, uh, etc. But if you actually look at the players who they're going to be directly up against instead, it it can bring out some really interesting results. And this one kind of picks two players who I hope will both start, um, who are really dangerous. And the first one is Alan Sam maximan for Newcastle. And he's... Been fouled more than anyone else in the Premier League this season, four times per game, which is really high. I appreciate it's a relatively small sample size, but um, it was kind of following on from his form last year when he was hitting his heights. And I think that um, he's going to be up against Nelson Sameda, I presume, um, who's the right back for Wolves. And Sameda's uh, six to one with Betfair to be carded any time. Which just looks way too big, given um, uh, how often Sam Axman gets fouled. I know Ryan Fredericks picked up a card against him uh, earlier in the season, and um, yeah, there's no re- there's no way he should be as big as six to one. And then if you look on the other side, it's something that I kind of harped on about quite a bit last season, which is uh, left backs against Wolves picking up cards, and that's mainly because they're going to be up against the Dama Triore. Um, he hasn't started that much this season, surprisingly. I don't really know why Nuno's doing that. Um, I know that he's an obvious threat off the bench, but I was actually back in Stuart Dallas on Monday in play to pick up a card, made a few fouls, and he could have just swiped him, and, and we could have got a big price winner, but he kind of held off. But you can see that the threat's there, given his acceleration, and he will come on at some point, no doubt. And Lewis, uh, who is the left-back for Newcastle, Jamal Lewis, obviously signed him from Norwich. He's a player that I like, but he's been carded three times in his four games this season. Um, and that's against people who really aren't as, as threatening as Adama. So if you combine Jamal Lewis and Nelson Semedo to be carded on the Betfair same-game multi get 43 to 1 about that double it's half the price with bet 365 uh where i initially looked and i thought 22 to 1 was fair enough um but when i saw this at pretty much double the price i mean you've got to get involved i did land one of these doubles on a on a different podcast last season and it kind of paid for all the long shots throughout the season so (laughs) Um, we've already landed a long shot this season with Lincoln and both teams to score but I'm I'm willing to chance a really big price here Um, I just don't understand why it's that big given the players that they'll probably be up against and just to say that um, left backs against Wolves even when Adama wasn't on the pitch we're still getting cards and if Daniel Pedence is on that side he looks really tricky as well Um, really impressed from, from what I've seen from him really diminutive and um, low centre of gravity can go down quite easily too, and and Semedo himself, whats a um, bomb on on the wing. So um, because these two players are on the same side as well, there's a potential for a bit of uh, a bit of a fight to break out, which is always good. So 43 mm-hmm. to one double for you there, Mark, Jamal Lewis and Nelson Samedo to be carded in the Wolves-Newcastle game. Um, yeah, you can all get me a pint if that does land. Cheers.
0: <laughs> no, That's superb. I've been looking forward to hearing what it is and I've been nodding along in <laughs> approval. Um, just on Jamal Lewis as well, you mentioned Alan San-Maxman. Having him in front of you isn't ideal from a defensive perspective either. So he often is getting sort of left vulnerable and isolated in defence without much cover either. So yeah, I really like the look of that. Really good shout that. Um Right, uh, we'll stay with you actually, Tom. Let's go for your next best.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go to Spain for this one. Um, it's it's an odds-on shout, but it's one that I'm really quite keen on, and it's to do with the team that's at the top of the table, Real Sociedad. They're in action uh, Thursday night, of course, they're in Croatia against Rijeka. But um, they're back on home soil in San Sebastián. They're at home against Huesca Sunday night at 8 o'clock our time, and uh, that gives them a, a nice bit of a... Time to kind of rest and recoup and uh, get back on it. Um, they have brought quite a strong squad over to Croatia, but I do think that they'll get the better of Huesca. Uh, they're around 1-2 to two to win, but you can get 4-5 to five with Betway on them to win an under 4.5 goals. And um, that will be my bet here. Just to give you a bit of background on Sociedad. I mean, obviously they've signed David Silva, which is a an inspired pickup. really. He's, he can kind of conduct the game for them. We know all that he's about, and they've got some really good youngsters. Um, Ayapovals kind of getting getting on a bit out of that, but um, he's a really talented player. Alexander Isak up front is showing that he can really take that mantle as the one up front. Um, Baranexia as well. The winger, uh, they've got really high hopes for him. Mikel Marino in central midfield was phenomenal last season, I thought. Obviously, he didn't do much at Newcastle, but um, he's really showing how good he is this season. And they've got a pretty solid defence, even though they lost Llorente to Leeds. So, um, if you just look at their defensive data, actually, it's it's really strong. Um, The best in the league there. They've only been conceding 4.6 expected goals per game and that's over six games so comfortably under one per game really impressive their expected goals difference is 4.9 really strong as well so they're creating um and they deserve to be top. they're top on pretty much all the metrics at the minute and given the real dearth of quality that you've got from the likes of Barca uh, and Real and Atleti, actually, um, failing to convince. I actually backed both Sociedad and Villarreal for a top four finish at a decent price this season because I thought that there's so many question marks around the big three in that league that um, a couple of teams could really state the claim. And Sociedad have started brilliantly. Uh, they've got a really settled side. Huesca, of course, have come up from the um, Skunda and... They've started off pretty pretty well. I mean, the data actually stacks up pretty well, to be honest, um, but they're yet to win quite a lot of draws in their games. Um, I know that they beat uh, Valencia on the shot count away, which was quite impressive, um, but I don't expect them to get anything at Sociedad, who are much more solid defensively, and they've got a bit more quality um, in the final third. I just think that eventually Sociedad will break them down and kind of the the data's there to back it up. So, had to win against Westcane under 4.5 goals. It's four to five or 1.8 with, um, That will be my next best.
0: Good stuff. Will, your next best, please.
2: Yeah. My next best. I'm heading to my hometown of Swindon. I'm a Swindon fan, and this is a massive fixture. Um, well, that's actually in Oxford, but, um, the A420 Derby, great name. Uh, one of those awful A-road <laughs> derbies. Um, but yeah, this is a it's a huge rivalry. I think fair is fairly well known that that is the case, but it could be under the radar a little bit. I mean, the bookmakers clearly know about it, but um, yeah, I've not been too many like fiery derbies yet in the EFL this season. And this could this should be should be one. Um, there's been five red cards in the last four meetings. We haven't played each other that much. Uh, really in the last sort of 10 years, Oxford have been above us or we've been above Oxford. So not really been in the same league that much, had a couple uh, EFL trophy meetings, which are not the kind of fixture that anyone really cares too much about, but there's still red cards when we meet and even in that cup. So um, (laughs) Oxford, yeah, are the third most fouled team last season, um, but they also gave the fifth most fouls. Um, This season they're actually committing the most fouls in the league at 16.8, which if you were just to look at the cards, uh, would not you'd not have expected that because they're like down right down there in terms of uh, cards picked up. So, I mean, I'm not watching every game, so clearly some of those could just be small little niggles that aren't going to result in a card. But it's still something in a fixture like this, which could end up creating a bit of uh, kind of just fire between the two teams. Um, and Swindon are seventh as well for the uh, for 14.7 fouls uh, per game. Uh, Both teams basically like to play good football as well, Um, keep it down on the ground, um, and as a result, we're the fifth and eighth most fouled teams already this term as well. Throw in uh, the fact that you've got two of the most combative managers in the league, really, in uh, Richie Wellens and Carl Robinson. Um, Carl Robinson's been in a few fracas on the on the touchline over the years, uh, even against Swindon as well when he was at MK Dons. and Richie Wellens just—he would strike the fear of God into me if I had to play for him. Um, <laughs> he's not really—he keeps his cool and, and he's quite calm in, in interviews and things like that. But I, I wouldn't really—yeah—I'm not really sure how it's going to go with him on the touchline in the derby. There's an edge so edge to him, isn't
0: it? There? There's a big edge yeah, to him. Yeah,
2: there is. So. Uh, the last four meetings have, have averaged 6.25 cards per game. I'm only, I'm only calling out the last four because it's hard to find the data on going back to sort of 2012 <laughs> on lower league football. So I don't actually really know, but I know from growing up as a kid, watching Swindon season after season, that when we were playing Oxford regularly, these were real dirty games. Um, and we already sit third in uh, for the uh, third worst in the fair play league with 15 yellows through seven matches. So and um, like I've mentioned, Oxford, I've only actually had seven yellows and one red so far, but I'm willing to overlook that given the number of fouls that they're giving up. And the referee is Ollie Yates, who is actually a, a lovely appointment for this game. He's 4.19, 4.19 cards per game, um, which is pretty high for an EFL ref, uh, usually about 3.5, maybe even lower. Um, and he gives 0.21 reds per game, um, which means... And he's given 18, for every 18.7 yellows, he gives one red. So which means we are expect, if we're expecting about five yellows here, which is what the bookies are pricing it at, uh, then we should probably have the red price at about 11 to four, given um, if there's five cards expected, 18.7 yellows per red, then that would equal uh, 3.75 or 11 to four for, for a red card. Um the actual our system that we use for for red cards, me and a, a couple of colleagues, um, doesn't quite, it doesn't really factor in derbies yet either. So uh, we're still building our own little personal database on that. So um, it would not actually recommend a red without knowing that this game was a derby yet. But you're getting five to one for a red card at William Hill. Um, and I think it's a big price, to be honest with you. I just... Um, I wanted to put that as my nap, but it's not really nap material because it's not a surety, but um, definitely my next best. And just a little tip as well, because I expect that price to to drop. Um, if you go into the build your odds market, the red card prices hold longer. Um, so even if it might go into four to one, if you go into the build your odds and add an over 0.5 goals, double with it, um, you'll probably be able to still get that five to one that's available right now.
0: Lovely. Hopefully a bit of biff at the Kassam when Oxford play Swindon on Saturday. Scenes we all want to see, despite what commentators tell us. Um, Let's move on to the Naps then. Uh, Come back to you, Tom, for your best bet of the weekend.
1: Yeah, you're completely right. That is exactly what we want to see. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's a really good case made by Will. I'll be backing that myself. It's a big price. Um, I'm going to drop down a league, actually. I'm going to go into League Two. And uh, I'm sorry to say I'm backing against South End again. Obviously. Um not not good not good what's happening over there. I, I realize that um Mark Mosley's managed to bring in Kazai Sterling who was on the books of Tottenham. I'm not sure if he's coming on loan from there. But he could start here. But I really don't think that they're good enough to get anything at a really really strong tram side who to be honest, when you're looking at the results, they haven't been brilliant. Um, They were kind of chalked up as uh, a surety for the kind of top seven. I still think they'll get that um, quite easily. I think they've got a really solid spine about them. Um, And they've had some problems with the likes of coronavirus. I know that they had a pretty depleted team when they went to Newport. um, Were battered in that game, to be honest. But you've got to kind of expect that if they're going with a second string. Um, and then they did lost, lose against Leighton Orient uh, the other day, but Leighton Orient got some players in form. had Johnson scored, and he, he's been scoring every game. Um, but they've got a real good chance to bounce back here at home against Southend. Southend uh obviously kind of bottom of all of the major metrics. Um, them and Scunthorpe, um, And it's understandable why. They've got a really young squad. Um, We've talked about them time and time again. Um, It looks like Timothy Dieng will be playing at centre-half with Harry Lennon. Uh, Dieng, known him from his Bradford days, he's a central midfielder, not a centre-half. So that's a player playing out of position. And kind of looking at the full-backs and the wingers, And the strikers, are all kind of under 23 and um, this is a really experienced Trammere side with a lot of know-how. Peter Clark at the back, very well known in the lower leagues, um, kind of done the rounds at pretty much every Lancashire club. Um, Now he's at Tramia. Mark Ellis as well, um, really solid. And uh, then you've got the likes of Oli Banks and Jay Sparing in front of them. It's just a, a, a team that I'm... Very happy to side with against a really inexperienced south End side. Uh, Liam Finn is a really nice capture on loan from Blackpool. Um, I'm not sure if James Vaughan's going to be back for this one. Um, he has been kind of their main man up front. Uh, Kane Woolery could be playing up front in place of him, but they'll sign Sam Smith on loan from Reading too. So they've, they've got options now. Tranmere, they've got pretty much everyone back um and i don't think it's really been reflected in the price yet um they're around 8 to 13 uh, it might be a bit shorter now but i think you can get 10 to 11 with betway on Tramir to win an under 4.5 goal so similar to my next best i'm taking Tramir on this one i just think that if they go 2-0 up for example i think that they've got the experience they're not going to do anything stupid um, they'll just kind of see the game out. It'll be a really big win for Mike Jackson. Um, and the, if you just look at the data, they're they're actually quite quite good. They're kind of top six for the xG ratio. That's mainly down to their really good defensive displays. 0.65 ex- expected goals against this season, and considering they've had pretty much half the season with a depleted squad, that's really impressive. Um, I'm really expecting an upturn from them up from now uh, even through till Christmas. I think Tranmere uh, are going to be right up there come the end of the season just because they've got a lot of um, players that you can rely upon and if you just look at Southend, um their XG ratio is about 24%. It's really quite poor. It is to be expected. Failed to have a shot on target away at End last time out in a 3-0 defeat. I could see a 2-0 or 3-0 here for Tramia, so Get a bit more out the price, you can back them to win an under four point five, uh, ten to eleven, and that will be my nap.
0: Lovely stuff. Uh Will, your favorite fancy of the weekend, please. Yep. You thought you weren't gonna
2: get any uh insights to the Riviera Derby, but I've gone for it for my nap. Um ah. Dortmund Dortmund are one to six uh for this, which at first made me think, oh really, should I even bother looking into a, to any kind of bets here but then I just I I mean I couldn't look away from how poor Schalke have been Uh, they're on a the longest active winless streak um, in Bundesliga at the moment of 20 matches without a win 16 of those have they've not kept a clean sheet in Um, and yeah they brought in Manuel Baum um, who was fired recently from Augsburg so I don't think really anyone's really inspired by that decision to to replace um, Fagner with him. But um, <clears throat> and yeah, they actually he actually put a stop to the rot at the weekend uh, with a one-one draw away at Unión. But yeah, this I just still feel like this is going to be massive one-way traffic. Dortmund have actually also restricted um, teams to a league low of thirty of twenty-three shots on goal this season. So you could look at somehow getting on Dortmund to win with a clean sheet I just I hate playing that um clean sheet line to see your bet downed with as soon as probably Schalke score in the first minute <laughs> and mm-hmm. Dortmund go on to win at 5-1 or something so mm-hmm. um yeah and Lucien Favre needs a response I guess to this 3-1 loss in Rome on Tuesday night um and I guess I'm expecting him to get one Schalke have the worst xg ratio with um, just 15%, which means for every goal they're scoring, you're expecting them to concede six. I think that's largely down to the opposition so far, being Leipzig um, and, and Bayern as well. They've both put a, a load of goals past them. But Dortmund's as well sits at 75%. So um, And they'll be buoyed by a, a pretty big... Although, obviously, they lost in the Champions League. They did have a big away win at Hoffenheim. Um albeit Hoffenheim without the, the scintillating Kramerich uh, in that game. But um, going further as well into the lineups, there's a few absences for for both teams, uh, but I expect Dortmund to adapt better to it. They'll probably put Delaney and, and Chan um, into centre-back positions. They'll play this sort of 3-5-2, 5-3-2, whatever you want to call it with wing-backs uh, because of Kanji's out. But I still feel that that's a fairly solid defensive line whereas Schalke probably have bigger issues. Uh, Kabak has been linked to Liverpool. Uh, he's still serving a, a ban for spitting <clears throat> a couple of games ago. Um, and they're not sure, about right? Salif Sané's back um, and Mark Uth, They're both rated as decent chances, maybe 75% of chance of playing, but they're not full fitness. Um, and so is Suat Serdar, <clears throat> who scored 7 for Schalke last season. So he's a fairly big miss. They've tried to adapt to... Um, what's happening, obviously, by bringing in a fair few three loan signings of Ludovic, Rono and uh, Paciencia, all on loan, but uh, been thrown straight into the action. Um, but I think, yeah, the writing has been on the wall for this decline for quite a while, clearly. Um, and just expect Dortmund to to push on in this, in this game. And I quite like them on the Asian handicap line at minus two, um, which is even money. So if they win by... Two, we get our, our money back, um, win by any more full-stakes payout. I just can't see Schalke putting, laying a glove on them, really, with those with that stat around Dortmund also restricting teams to, to lowest uh, n- number of shots on goal this season. So, yeah, it was 4-0 as well when they met in May, which is not long ago. So um,
0: I think hopefully a similar scoreline again. Yeah, it really wouldn't surprise me at all. Um think of the Schalke's best player last season. Arguably, Weston McKenney he left as well. And their first choice goalkeeper's out missing as well. So they're in crisis, basically, on and off the field at the moment. Massive job for Manuel Baum to try and rebuild things at Schalke at the moment. And, and sadly, they're um, one of the major sort of relegation favourites. And uh, sad for a club of that stature. But uh, here we go. Hopefully, Dortmund will uh, give them a few beatings on Saturday evening. So that's all the guys' naps, long shots and next bests. I'm just going to open the floor up now for any other business uh, Tom anything else you haven't mentioned that you want to mention, now's the time
1: Yeah there is a, a couple of points Mark, I just think on that Dortmund game um, maybe cars could be something to look at as well I've been to Dortmund myself and lived with Dortmund fans and they really despise Schalke beyond belief, it's, it's worse than anything that I've seen in England um, I do not think that kind of rivalry existed in Germany but Buddy, yeah, it's something else, so maybe uh, Cards could be a way in there, but yeah, I was looking at a way to get Dortmund side. They've, they've significantly shortened up, they're around one, one to six in places, so I'll be leaving that one one on um, the handicap personally, but I'm going to stick with the Premier League, there's t- two angles that I like, and one of them's kind of been tarnished a little bit today um, with the news that James Rodriguez is going to be out for Everton. But I do fancy goals in the game against Southampton on the south coast on Sunday, I believe it is. Um, just because of the two teams, how they've set up this season, I think uh, Southampton have been brilliant for goals backers for a couple of years, especially under Hassan Hutu with that high press. I think that um, they could cause the likes of Mina and Michael what a lot of problems I think if they get tested with pace and um, they're not the best on the ball I don't think so they do have an out ball with Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison but I think that uh, Danny Ings and Chardins who are kind of striking up a decent partnership um, could, could cause them a few problems I'm, I'm glad that I've Kind of avoided temptation and kept Che Adams in my fantasy team. He scored last week, which is good. Um, we obviously put him up at a big price on the We Wolf Betting anti-post podcast for top goal scorer, 300-1. to 1. Um, And his XG, again, has been pretty good. He's missed a few sitters, but he's got that goal now. I think uh, him and Ings are definitely going to trouble that Everton back line. Um, even West Brom scored two past them, so I think that both teams are scoring over two and a half. it's just drifted to odds against actually twenty one to twenty in places. Um does look like a good thing. I think Hammers being out is a is a bit of a blow, to be honest. Um, from the Everton perspective. He's been brilliant, of course, under Ancelotti. Um but still I think that if you're getting odds against about that, given the two teams how they're set up and the tactics, that's a, a nice way in. The other game is Saturday, the early game, West Ham versus Man City. I really like the look of Man City, 20 or more booking points at even money with Sky. Yeah, they actually picked up five cards midweek against Porto at home, and um, we've known for a while now that Man City, when they're up against a team that have a counter-attacking threat, are more than happy to just chop chop people down and be quite cynical in that regard. And I think that if you look at West Ham going forward, Bowen, Antonio, Pablo Fornals have started brilliantly. Um, they've got a lot of pace and um, a lot of players who can cause them a lot of problems. And given how high Man City play the wing-backs, um, the centre-halves can even get dragged out of position and pick up cards, something I've tailed this season. Aki got another card the other day. So um, I think you're getting even money with Sky about them to have 20 or more booking points. Basically, means that two yellow cards. But if there's just one single red card for Man City, you also win your bet with that, which is nice. So a, a lot of places have this odds on um, for them to have two or more yellows um, only. So to get the booking points angle on side, even money really does does appeal. Uh, they've picked up nine cards in the four Premier League games four in that last game against Arsenal as well so uh, I'm not trusting their defence to be able to keep up with this West Ham attack, I think they're a bit short man city even though they've got a good head-to-head record against them, I think that they're going to have a few problems with the, the pace that the Hammers have on the break and for them to have 20 or more booking points at evens, was, that was vying for that material to be honest but um, I'll happily put that up as a, an extra play.
0: Lovely stuff Any other business from you, Will? Yeah, just a
2: couple quick ones. Uh, Fulham v Palace. I quite obviously fancy Fulham to be the whipping boys in this league this season, but they're already pretty solid on the ball in terms of possession-wise. They're 53%, which puts them 10th. Whereas, obviously, Crystal Palace, we all know Roy Hodgson just deploys them to their, playing to their strengths, counter-attacking. They're averaging just 37% possession. Which is considerably the lowest in the Premier League, and I expect them to probably be very efficient at it again in this match. But yeah, there's no markets out for possession at the moment, but Marathon Bet do this quite well, as do 888 Sport as well. So I'm thinking that if you can get anything around Fulham most possession at one to two, I reckon it'll be something like that, or Fulham on a handicap of minus sort of minus five percent possession around even money. I'd, I'm expecting it. To be somewhere like that. If it's any better than that, I quite like the look of something like that. I just think that that game is very easy to kind of read how it's going to play out. Um, and then quickly, two penalty um, penalty kings at the moment are Lincoln and Preston. Lincoln uh, already been awarded a, a mad five penalties this season. In there's only been sixteen in the in League One, and they've been awarded five of them. <laughs> um, and I just think Skybet have just priced they priced their penalty markets very generically really in these leagues lincoln are four to one to take a penalty um, and preston are four to one to take a penalty in the championship these are just they're just everyone's four to one to take a penalty in any efl game essentially because they don't really factor in who the referee is or what the team is doing they just put a generic price which actually usually is quite poor value but when you're finding the teams that are playing in the right way then you're probably finding a bit of actual value here. And, yeah, Preston won 11 penalties last season, which was two more than any other team, and they've already won three this season. So I just feel like both of those teams are playing the right way to win some pens, and they're both
0: four to one to take a penalty. Interesting. Lee Wallace of QPR gave Preston two penalties in midweek. Brainless <laughs> challenges in the area. So, um, yeah, hopefully... Uh, Guess a few penalties at Lincoln, Preston. I like the idea of the possession bet as well. So let's wait until the, the markets materialize there. But uh, I think that's us. Um, thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please do let us know if you've enjoyed it. If you've got any feedback, any ideas for future additions as well, uh, your views and opinions always help us sculpting the show that you guys want to listen to. So thanks very much for your time. And thanks again to Tom. Cheers, mate. And to you as well, Will. Thank you. Thanks very much, mate. Great stuff. This has been the Wheeler Betting Weekend Preview Podcast. Thank you and chat soon.